Well, guys, welcome back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Welcome back. Uh, we back at it like a crack addict. Uh, you know what it is? Yeah. I, stop Stop commenting every time. I didn't say anything. I do that. I didn't say anything. But you went, uh. Yeah, because I was adjusting the No, audio. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know it's coming. So I don't know why you act surprised every time. Oh, you know. We this, back at it like a crack addict. This is number 10, I think. Is it? I believe so. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. We said that last episode. Yeah, well, yeah, we did. Happy but, New Year. But I mean, again, Happy New Year. Hi. First of all, welcome back, guys, to <laughs> Boomer and the Millennial. I'm Reggie the Boomer. And I'm Armani the Millennial. I don't know why he's getting so ahead of himself. <laughs> this is our podcast. Right. Come I mean, on, y'all know what's up. So really, you know, go ahead. No, Sorry. I was going to say there was an article or something I saw that or somebody said, when do you stop saying Happy New Year? Definitely after January. Okay, let's let's say you haven't talked to anybody. You're sending them an email or you're speaking to them for the first time in the new year. In the new year. So like, if you don't hear, if you don't talk to them like until February, do you still say hey, no, Joe, no, no, no? Let me tell you something. If you haven't talked to somebody all year until February, like if you hadn't, if you have not spoken to them all of January, then maybe right. they don't need to be in your life 2021. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're just now saying Happy New Year to them in february march hmm, maybe this isn't the year for them to be in your life because you weren't thinking about them anyway yeah at the start of the year i'm just saying yeah i I guess i guess that maybe that's just me i don't know whatever you know millennials are quick to cut people off so (laughs) cancel (laughs) right you all invented the cancel yeah you know we're ready you know what i'm saying all the toxicity we're getting it out of our lives 2021 well we want to thank you guys for tuning in we're getting very close to our year anniversary we started this at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, in March. And here we are closing in on that. And speaking of this episode, we want to dedicate to the 35th anniversary of the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. Netflix had, I think back in the summer, a documentary series, four-part series called Challenger, The Final Flight. And it was really great it gave you the history talked about the individuals um the astronauts the seven astronauts who died yeah maybe you should explain a little bit what the challenger disaster is so for people who do do not know oh well yeah because i lived it so and i did not (laughs) so well we all you are familiar with the uh shuttle flights we don't have them anymore they kind of canceled that program but the shuttle flights were pretty regular uh, after a while basically a fleet of space shuttles that were kind of going up delivering satellites okay right taking folk to the international space station yeah and on january 28th in 1986 this was a unique mission for the first time i think this was the first time you actually had people who weren't astronauts going on a mission they were dubbed astronauts they went through training but they weren't in the flight flight program or test yeah. pilots or anything like that. Krista McAuliffe, who was a school teacher, and it was a, a very diverse uh, crew. Um, you had an African American astronaut, Ronald McNair, who was aboard. You had an Asian American as well, and so you had women and men, and and so it was really representative crew, if you will, of our population. Challenger within uh, minutes of the flight, unfortunately, exploded. Um, it was just people were in shock and you had a lot of people watching. You know, the shuttles flights were pretty much regular, mm-hmm. but you had a lot of people watching because 
of the school teacher going up because of the diverse crew. So it was, you know, had more people watching than normal. Gotcha. And if you haven't watched, take an opportunity as we recognize the 35th anniversary to watch the four-part series. It's it's very informative. Uh, it left an indelible mark on the history of the country. And yeah. so um, Ronald McNair uh, was from Atlanta. Um, he was one. Of, he was the, the African American astronaut, very accomplished. I like to consider him like a Renaissance man. He was, he was at a black belt in martial arts. He played mm. the saxophone, but he was an engineer and a physicist. I mean, he just he was a jack of all trades. Yeah, and he was extremely, extremely smart. Yeah. And uh, over over the years, I actually got to know his brother Carl McNair, who's here in Atlanta. And uh, Carl has really taken up a legacy. He wrote a book about his brother, Ron McNair. And to date, he is uh, getting ready to release another book. And there's a foundation. There's schools named after Ron McNair here in Atlanta. Carl S. McNair is founder of the McNair Achievement Program, LLC. He is an inspirational speaker, STEM education consultant, and best-selling author of In the Spirit of Ronald E. McNair Astronaut, which, by the way, is available on Amazon. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Carl is also a proud graduate of one of our renowned HBCUs, North Carolina A&T. Carl was gracious enough to speak with us, and we wanted to share that conversation with you on this, the 35th anniversary. So, Carl, you know, you and I have known each other for many uh, years. Wow. Thank you for, for joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really, I thought about you because during a lot of our, uh, well, pretty much each show, we always do a segment on what we're watching and reading and, and those kinds of things. To kind of, you know, see what the millennial is reading and watching and what the boomers reading and watching. And one of the things that I, uh, I started watching was the docu-series on Netflix. Oh, okay. um, about Challenger. You know, Armand and I got to talking and where he knows about, you know, what happened and, and a little bit about who was uh, on the flight and those kinds of things. I just felt it would be a really great opportunity for him and the other millennials and even the boomers that are listening to get a um, really good idea of who your brother was, you know, Ronald mm-hmm. McNair, who was, who was on the Challenger. I mean, you know, you think about a physicist, you know, scientist, astronaut, uh, martial arts expert, right? Uh, yeah. Saxophonist mm. uh, or saxophonist, uh, however you, you know. <laughs> you know and, um, and I thought about it, I said, well, it would be great since I'm watching the docu-series on Netflix to bring you here to talk about your brother and the things that you know, his legacy um, and the things that you're you're actually uh, doing right now. And so, uh, Armandi, I'm going to let you uh, kind of start this process. Can I pause for a moment? Yeah, yeah. I want to close this door here and I don't, I don't, I want, don't want to get out of frame, but I'm going to have to. Is that okay? No, no. That's, oh, yeah, fine. that's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We're ready to launch here. All right. All right. Yeah. So, you know, like, like my dad was saying, we're, we're definitely glad to have you here on the podcast and um, just to talk about not only your brother, but also, you know, a little bit about yourself as well. Um, and so I guess I want to know, you know, what was life like growing up for, mm-hmm. for you and your brother? You know, what did that yeah. kind of look like and where are you guys from? And yeah. What was, what was it like growing up? Yeah. Well, uh, my day is, let me first of all let you know I appreciate you thinking of us, or thinking of me, and having me on to share a little bit about myself and a little bit about my brother, uh, which I'm very, very proud of. And 
to answer your question regarding where we grew up. We grew up in a small farm town, Lake City, South Carolina. And I like to tell the people at that time, it was a population of about 2,000, it's under 2,000, but I was getting right. Uh, that was like a round number. Which is, <laughs> right. And uh, it was, we grew up doing segregation. We all, all the schools we went to were black schools. During that time, I never entered a white school. I had, didn't have any white friends. We had no opportunity to connect other than when we worked in the fields. I'll tell you about that later. We worked in the fields, uh, farming and stuff like that. We weren't farmers, but that was the way Ron and I, you know, picked up a little extra change and all. And that seemed to be the right of passage in my hometown. You got to get in the fields, man. If you can handle that sun from sun up to sun down, then you're a man. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, right. I fluffed the test maybe once, but nevertheless, I passed. <laughs> uh, population, 2,000. And that's, we fudged the numbers a little bit, Amande. Uh, we had to count the, the cows, the chickens, the pigs. You know, <laughs> we, 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 had to, we had to get those numbers up. Now, uh, my, my father only went to the eighth grade. He was an auto body mechanic. Hmm. Auto body repairman, as it's called. And my mother only went to the 11th grade. And that was because it wasn't that because um, that uh, she dropped out or anything. It's just that at that time, they would not allow Black people mm -hmm. to go beyond 11th grade. Mm -hmm. From what I understood, mm -hmm. and from what I understand, that they, they felt that your life was relegated to a life in the fields doing domestic work doing, um, you know, working in other people's kitchens and things of this nature. Now, fortunately, my mother was able to go on and later get, and get into college. They would accept what she, the schooling that she had. But um, for the most part, if you were to become a white collar professional, you had two choices in my hometown. You could be a preacher, you could be a teacher. Mm. And my mother chose to be a teacher now, I might add that um, we were very, very fortunate to have teachers who were the best of the best. And why do I say that? Because they were relegated to professional positions only as a teacher. Mm -hmm. We got the top teachers. We got the, 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 the valedictorians, which my mother of her 11th grade class was the valedictorian. We got the salutatorian, the top 10 pretty much the, uh, as they say, the talented 10th. And they came there looking professional. They looked sharp. You wouldn't make no mistake between a teacher and a <laughs> teacher and a student. A student, they, yeah. That was the professional image that we had. So I, let me just put a bookmark in it right there and you can kind of gear it towards the direction you want to take it. But I can tell you more, but I just wanted just to see. Well, I, I do have a question. There's that, that story you tell about kind of your brother being a, a part of the social justice movement at, at night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The library. Yeah. 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 Were, were, yeah. You there, uh, were you there when that happened or? I, listen, Ron, Ron was a person who marched to the beat of a different drummer. If he decided to do something, he's not going to broadcast it. <laughs> he's right. just going to go and do it. Go do it. Yeah. And, and so. Uh, what, what happened? What happened? On well, that? well, Ron was always, uh, from a very young age, a very studious person. He, he had a thirst uh, for knowledge. Um, and he went out of his way to get materials to read that would, that would uh, you know, basically feel, feel, feed that uh, 
that insatiable appetite, if you will. <laughs> so this one particular day, he decided that he was, uh, was going to go to the public library. Now understand, uh, the way we got our books, there was a bookmobile. Oh, I remember the bookmobile. You know, <laughs> no, I don't. I, I did not know the time. Bookmobile. <laughs> yeah. So it's a oh, library and, of wheels is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's a library of wheels. But yeah. you got, the books you got was what they had. On oh, the oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how that worked, okay? The, but there was segregation. The law of the land is that separate, but he's equal. Equal, yeah. All right. Time. So we didn't, you know, the, the library didn't belong to us. It was public funds, tax dollars, our tax dollars paid for it. Right. So this one day, nine years old, Ron decides that he's going to go and liberate a couple of books. <laughs> he goes down to the library. He walks in and all these white folks in there standing in line trying to check out books. They look around and kind of like, well, who is this Negro? Right, right. So he actually went to the physical library. He went to the physical library and he, his goal was to, to, to get a couple of books. One is a science book. So he got in line, he got to the front of the line and uh, the, the, he told the librarian why he was there. He, he wanted a, uh, a couple of books. The librarian looked at him and said, young man, you know this library is not for coloreds. Now, if you don't leave here right now, I'm gonna call the police. And Ronald looked at her and said, I'll wait. And he hopped up on a counter next to, next to where she was sitting, kind of like he's, I don't know whether you thought the, uh, the policeman was going to come there and give him the books. So <laughs> I don't know if he was thinking about going to jail or nothing. But. Right, right. <laughs> so meanwhile, in a small town, everybody knows everybody. So they know Pearl McNair. Now she's a school teacher. So everybody knows the school teacher. Mm -hmm. So she gets on the phone and calls my mom and, my mom, she said to my mother, you know, you need to get down here and get your son. I already called the police. And as mother, Southern mothers are, she came down there praying all the way. Oh, mm -hmm. Lordy, Jesus, please don't let them take my son to jail. So she comes down there and comes into the library and, and, um, and asked what was the problem. The librarian told my mother that uh, your son trying to check out books and you know he doesn't belong down here. Now, in the meanwhile, a couple of burly cops walks in, you know, looking for trouble. Somebody obviously down there making trouble. So right. they walk in and they says, uh, where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the problem? What's the problem? Look down and see a little old, <laughs> little old kid wearing big old glasses or what have you. And she said, well, he's trying to check out books and you know he doesn't belong here. And they told her, you know, you know this doesn't look like real police work. Why, why don't you just... Uh, give the kid the books. The book. mm -hmm. And uh, my mother said, well, he'll, he'll take very good care of them. And she reluctantly scrolled a few things on his little card and actually gave Ron the books. Hmm. And as, as Southern mothers, we always want our children to be polite. She said to Ron, what do you say? And Ron said, thank you, ma'am. And grabbed his books and left the library. Now, that was in October of 1959, obviously a long time ago. Wow. In January and February 1st of that next year, four young men from North Carolina A&T State University decided <laughs> that they were going to go down to Woolworth <laughs> and liberate themselves some food. <laughs> so quiet as it kept, 
I love my alma mater, but Ron actually started the civil rights at that civil rights sit-in movement. So uh, that's that was his contribution to the wow. uh, an wow. act of civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> uh, you know, you you uh you you mentioned that your brother was very studious. I think even from a young age, and you know, you mentioned that he was there to check out a science book. You know, at the library. So what? really inspired your brother to become an astronaut you know there aren't at, at this time there aren't any there weren't any yeah. uh, black astronauts and for him no. to be the the second right the second he was the uh, second to, to go to space like what, what he what, was the second yeah. to go into space he went into space in 1984 they tried again in 1986 and that uh turned out you know uh it was a tragedy mm -hmm. but ron was like this um Ron loved the rigors of science and math. And I might put a plug right now into to, uh, Upward Bound. Uh, Ron wasn't in Upward oh, yeah. Bound, but because of the civil rights movement in 1964, they, they signed the Civil Rights Act, which mm -hmm. led to the Education Act and one other act, <laughs> the Voters' Right Act. Right. Ron was right at the right time. We all were at the right time in history where Ron was when later on in 1966 was able to go to a program that was the precursor to Upward Bound or started around the same time. Federal funds, mind you, this is why it's so important right now, mm -hmm. that got him and other young kids from around the country to go to Virginia Union University, another HBCU. Mm -hmm. And that's where Ron got the glimpse of the whole notion by a professor that was there who noticed his work habits and noticed he had a commitment to his education and told Ron, he told him, Ron, that he could go, he think that he can take this education all the way to the top. I think you, Ron, I said, I think, he said, Ron said, he said, I, I think you can get your PhD. He said, and Ron said, yeah. uh, I can? What's a PhD? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds interesting, right? right. <laughs> and, my dad, my grandfather later on said, when Ron told me he was gonna get a PhD, he thought about it, you know, we're from the South, we do how to hunt and fishing. And yeah, my grandfather said, I know why that boy is so excited. He's going to get a PhD, a professional hunting dog. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would excite most of us from the South. Right? <laughs> right. So, um, how, how did, uh, and, and you know, I am, I am a serious Trekkie, so you know, oh, I, I, okay, when I saw that okay. You know, that Star Trek played a part, you know, right? A major, in, in, yeah. part, a major part. Um, that was the number one show for Ron and myself. We watched that thing, yeah, you know. I did too. Uh, it, you know, that was like in the mid 60s. We yeah. watched that thing. Uh, I think that what, what caught my eye most, and, and Ron's too, was Lieutenant Uhura. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. For, for, for many reasons. <laughs> Not just the for fact many. that he was, I mean, he was but, on a spaceship. She yeah. was like like fourth or fifth in command of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah. You hear me? We've yeah. never seen a black man or a black woman in an environment like that where you had black folk and white folk and Asian and aliens. Yeah. I mean, you had all kinds of folk on yeah. that starship yeah. working together. See, that was the vision that uh, 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 Roddenberg, Gene Roddenberg had set uh, the, uh, of, of, of the vision that he set for whoever watched that show of the future, people working together regardless of their ethnicity and, and what have you. And yeah. Ron and Ron and I looked at that and we said, man. 
and we looked at all of you know like the like the cell phones became the flip phone they had a a, a communicator that flipped open like yeah. that man yeah. Ron, we saw ron looked at that and i looked at it i said man that ain't gonna happen all that stuff that they're doing <laughs> and ron looked at it as science possibility yeah yeah. And though there were not any black people uh, who were astronauts at that time, and there's another story about that because during the 60s, there were some African-American right. astronauts, yes. candidates. Yes. But Ron was among the first three of the African-American space shuttle astronauts. That's that's the distinction. Right, gotcha. right. You know, so I do a presentation on African-American astronauts and that people don't know about, but there are 20 African-American astronauts. And wow. people know of maybe one or two. And I, I try to tell the story, uh, at least a little bit of the story of all of them. But Ron saw that as a possibility. And Ron, that's where Ron held that in his mind that perhaps one day, maybe he will have a chance to go into space. But it was more dormant than, than, a, than, a, than a goal at that time because, first of all, everybody we saw was white males. They yeah. were fighter pilots, they were right stuff type. Right, uh, right. Ron wore glasses. We were told he had to have 20-20 vision. You know, he didn't fly planes or anything like that. But what happens, uh, Ron is, I think that the, the, the thing that we can learn from that, because Ron did become an astronaut and didn't have any of those particular uh, expertise, but he prepared himself with his education. He went to North Carolina A&T State University, where he almost quit pursuing physics, by the way. We'll talk about that later. Hmm. And uh, he went on because of A&T, they put him in a program that allowed him to spend a summer at MIT. Now that, that wasn't something that he said, oh, MIT, I'd like to go there. No, no he was MIT. doubtful about doing that. But Ron took advantage of that opportunity. Now here's the deal. Ron is one of those situations where the whole thought of perhaps becoming an astronaut and the, the thought of maybe going into space and that kind of thing Ron was prepared. When he came out of MIT, he was armed with a PhD in laser physics. Mm. Black, white, Asian, otherwise Hispanic. How many laser physicists do you know with a PhD? <laughs> I don't know any laser physicists. <laughs> I know that was the thing, right? <laughs> so when they were looking for someone with a physics background and lasers, laser communications, you can transport, uh, you know, mm -hmm. sound. Uh, images, what, that's what they do right now. It's yeah, exactly. Like a laser. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so when when they when Ron when they came looking for astronauts that had that kind of well, it wasn't a shoe in or nothing because he was chosen. Uh, I'll I'll tell you the story on that one, how he was chosen. But uh, he was qualified. He didn't have to have twenty twenty vision. He didn't have to have become be the the right stuff, right, right, kind right. of pilot pilot right. and all that stuff. And that was a big, big deal because he became and still remains, and I hope that I like to see that change, the only African-American astronaut to attend an HBCU. Mm. Mm. Did not know that either. Wow. So the story about how he found out, how did he apply, and <laughs> how did he tell you that? How did he tell the yeah. family that, hey, you know, well, yeah. Y'all <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, go, yeah, I'm sure, Ron. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, right, 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 right. Well. I was in graduate school at the time. I was going to Babson College and working on my MBA. And Ron was, uh, he was, he, he had finished MIT and he, he started to do some work for Hughes Research out in uh, Malibu, California. Now, uh, Ron's ultimate goal was to become a professor. Mm -hmm. But he figured 
to get out there and work in industry for a couple of years and, and head back to the university setting. But Ron, uh, one day he gave me a call and I, I picked up the phone. I said, uh, hey, man, what's up? And it was real quiet, like it was a long hesitation. He says, uh, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I'm going to be an astronaut. I said, an astronaut? Like, like NASA? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be an astronaut. Now, immediately I'm thinking, if that dude's going to be an astronaut, I'm going to be the Pope. <laughs> but I, 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 I listen. I, listen. Right. I said, oh, well, so uh, what make you, you know, you know. Where did that come from, what, right? Yeah. You know, huh? Yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, where did that come from? He said, so I said, well, uh, NASA's looking for astronauts. I said, he said, yeah. I said, well, how many astronauts are they looking for? He says, well, I know 10,000 applied, but they're only looking for 35. I yeah. said, wait a minute. <laughs> You're going to be an astronaut. There are about 10,000 people applied. They're looking for 35, and you're going to be one of them. He said, yeah. I said, okay. I said, well, how do you know? He said, I know because I applied. I said, man, oh, this I'll is talk before. to you later. <laughs> So this Boom. is before they 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 reached the thirty five. Right. This is before they reached the thirty five. He, he was one of those naming and claiming. <laughs> I hear you. Man. Yeah, this is before. Yeah. This is before now, this is how he he actually heard about it. So I'm a. I said I, I, my my poor brother. I don't know what he's been up in, into, but he didn't leave whatever <laughs> that is alone, right? So uh, a couple of months later, you know, uh, I'm watching the noontime news. And on, on, on comes Walter Cronkite. Now, Amande, you wouldn't know this guy, but unlike the news today, when Walter Cronkite came out, he was a news anchor. And when he came yeah. out, he was going to tell the gospel truth. That's right. Whatever Walter said was, that's the that's way it was. And he that's was the way it was. That's the way it was. <laughs> so Walter comes on, Walter Cronkite comes on, in from NASA, the first 35 space shuttle astronauts. I said, wow. I said, I better listen because I'm, I'm probably going to have to console my brother. So they went down in alphabetical order with the last names. So Ron is in the M's. McNair right. goes down the list. I'm saying, come on with it. I'm going listening to all the names. And they got down to the M's and they said, Ron McBean. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> That's crazy. I said, okay, that's a that's probably about all as close as it's gonna get. Gonna get right. Right. And then the next name was Ronald McNair. Wow. That's crazy. And that's how you and found all of a sudden everything went silent. It just went silent. I couldn't believe it. I was shouting inside, I was shouting outside. I said, I can't believe <laughs> that's it. That's crazy. And that, and that's how you found out that 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 he had made the 35. Yeah, yeah, but check this out. I run to the phone. I get on the phone. I said, man, congratulations. He said, congratulations for what? I said, man, you did it. He said, did what? I said, man, you're an astronaut. He said, I am? I'll call okay. you back. <laughs> <laughs> so he apparently didn't, oh, he's just messing with you or he just- No, he, he wasn't messing with me. Here's the deal. Those news folks, yes, y'all do. Y'all get all get the information <laughs> on the inside scoop all the time. That's yeah, not more, news. And back back then, it was a lot more 
you know, rip and read, get it and go and, and you know, yes, you don't really verify. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't get on the phone. You could, you know, you could get on your cell phone, text, you know, it just didn't happen that fast for the individual, but right. people in the news. Right. So the news got fast. the press release first, probably. They, exactly. Yeah, before and they, they just called. announced it. Yeah. Now, Ron, I would to, to I would say this. Uh, Ron knew at the time he spoke to me the first time that he had actually actually gone through various types of tests, mm -hmm. FBI, CIA, and everybody going around visiting folks. I didn't know that that they had already did the background the check. Background, the vetting, he already yeah. done the physical stuff. So now it's a wait and see. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so uh, so when the when it when it was announced, he found out, and it's kind of really crazy that he found out that he was going to become an astronaut through me. <laughs> you knew before he did right? he knew well he knew he was and he knew mind, he was in the running he didn't get the, the official word the, the official word or the yeah. unofficial official word right <laughs> yeah because i know in the docuseries they they talk about the selection process but i did not i never knew it was that many people in the running for that class mm -hmm. of shuttle astronauts um until until the doc and I didn't know you know how how competitive it was because it was oh, pretty much open you know you know they opened it up I guess you know and, and and as you as we look at that particular uh crew it was very diverse and I guess at that point and they talk about it in the docuseries that NASA was really looking to diverse their astronaut corps the shuttle program gave them the opportunity to bring scientists and even to bring folk who were like like a school teacher that was a big deal to have a school teacher on board let me tell you something about that she didn't come in until a few years later she wasn't a part of that first right because they did they a special uh one just for to, to find a school teacher right outside of teachers the yes they had a teacher recruiting program going right. on and as so, that turned out that was uh eight years after ron was accepted into the program oh, wow, i did not mm -hmm. know that yeah okay. so yeah. so you and by the way or since you mentioned her I knew mm -hmm. her mother well, and uh, Krista actually got her, not going through all the stuff that the other astronauts went through, but we designate her, she's designated right, astronaut. Right, right. She is the other uh, person to attend an HBCU. Hmm. Really? <laughs> For her master's degree. Okay. Boy State. <laughs> Boy State, that's, yeah, there you go. Boy I, State I, University. I hear about Boy State. That's that's true. Yeah, wow, I didn't know that. So we yeah. see, we, we learned some things today i learned some things today and i you know even after knowing what happened and being in the moment you know in in that history but also you, you think you watching the docuseries and other things you think you know it all but we're learning stuff every every day see yeah. even a boomer can learn something <laughs> isn't that crazy <laughs> so you wrote a book about your yeah. brother yeah and um that's why well, well i show you that <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you can get that on amazon it's, yeah, you can get this on Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. I, I wrote the book because I wrote the book actually 25 years after the event. It was one of those things that you put off. You know you had to do it because Ron has a tremendously inspirational story that up to this point, goodness, tens of thousands of people have been inspired by it because it's kind of hard to imagine a black boy coming up during segregation, going yeah. to segregated schools and all the things that has transpired for him to come from that and go to a point of becoming a NASA astronaut, which happened in 1970, 1978, 1978. 
eight years, 1970 is when our schools actually desegregated. Think about that. Yeah, that's true. 1970, yeah. eight years later, he's yeah. in the space program. And um, that's an important thing to, to, to reference because it lets young people know how quickly things can change. Don't have dismay or be discouraged. Things can change. You just continue to prepare yourself an opportunity because as the saying goes, it's better to have be prepared and not have an opportunity than to have an opportunity and not be prepared, not be prepared. Yeah. you know? And so uh, I wrote the book to let folks see that, hey, he went through tremendous ad adversities. He actually dropped out of physics the first semester. We, we were still doing <laughs> still doing freshman orientation. And if you like, I'll tell you the story how that how, how that transpired. If you're interested, yeah. otherwise we can move on. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Well, Ron and I'm I'm Ron, I'm uh, 10 months older than Ron, okay? Mm -hmm. Ron was born October 21st, and I was born October, uh, I was born December 16th. That right now he and I would be the exact same age. Oh, right, for that, that, yeah. For these yeah. month and a half, yeah. we would be the same age because, you know, we're just 10 months apart. Right. That's why I was able to, that's, so my mother, my father actually got him in school at four. I went to school at five. So we went through everything together from elementary to high school and ended up, uh, by the grace of God, ended up at the same university because that was the only university, A&T was the only one I applied to. Um, Ron, um, you know, he had the, opportunity to do a, a lot of different things. But we were at North Carolina a &T. First week, we were walking around campus, you know, Ronda Valedictorian, I graduated eight. But I said, hey, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I tell people that, uh, I say, yeah, we, I graduate, Ron graduate number one, and I graduate number eight out of a class of 10. No, that's not true. <laughs> <but> I, <laughs> <laughs> but not far from the truth. Right. <laughs> about a, a 140 students. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so not but far hey, from it. Still, yeah. <laughs> you could be you could have been 139. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so exactly. <laughs> so uh so we got on campus. So we know we like we're the man in in Lake City, our hometown, you know. Right. Mom school teacher and all this stuff. That was a big deal. We got to A and T and found out. There was a whole bunch of valedictorians and a whole bunch <laughs> yeah. of salutatorians. Yeah. Went to, we went to private schools. They came from, you know, private schools. And uh, they came from New York and New Jersey, Chicago and Washington, D.C. I mean, we were sitting up in this auditorium. They put us, put us in an auditorium by, you know, by major, by uh, school, major, mm -hmm. what have you. They put the social science majors over there, the, the science majors over there, the engineering majors and the technology majors over there. I was with them. And Ron was with the physics majors on, in the science. So he's sitting in the auditorium, this big auditorium where they have us. And he was, he overheard these students behind him talking about all these great physics courses they had taken, thermodynamics, classical mechanics, and modern physics, as Ron tells it. Wow. And Ron said, man, these are first, these are, some of these like sound like second or third year college right. <laughs> you know, physics courses here. We had one, I was in the same class, physics class with Ron. We had one class of physics taught by a teacher who never seen a physics book, let alone teach it. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> wow. Yeah, in, in fact, Ron used to challenge him a little bit. And, but to the teacher's credit, we realized Ron was really aggressive about the subject matter and he knew 
some things that the teacher didn't know because Ron mm -hmm. would, uh, at that time, he would send out for Sharm's outlines actually in thermodynamics. Wow. So, so we didn't, even, he didn't teach that kind of stuff. <laughs> but he got, he recruit Ron to help him look over the subject matter so right, he could right. teach yeah. it, right? Yeah, right. Can, so can Ron knew, a student <laughs> teacher, Marie. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he, Ron knew how much physics he knew. So he, he, he had to make a decision. He knew as oftentimes we find ourselves looking at the competition. Yeah. Uh, Amande, it looks like they got more going for them than we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, sometimes we just select ourselves out of opportunity to say, oh, you know, we can't compete with that. Right, right, right. That happened to Ron. And it's important for me to share this with students because we feel that we all have to have it all together. And if we are so far behind or didn't come from the right side of the tracks, Mm -hmm. We might as well just throw our hands up and forget it. Mm -hmm. Well, Ron threw up his hands and he had, had to make a decision whether he was going to go on and pursue physics or go on, maybe retreat to his comfort zone, which was music. He knew the saxophones. Mm -hmm. as well. okay. You know what he decided to do on Monday? What? He became a music major. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's right. <laughs> So, so when, when for about you... two weeks. Let me tell you about the HBCU experience. That's going to be a common thread throughout this talk. Our HBCU, his advisor, learned that he decided to go in, into music. Mm -hmm. So she tracked him down, had him come to the office, sat him down. Her name was Mrs. Gore. I knew Mrs. Gore myself. She sat Ron down and asked him and said, Ron, why did you, you came here to be a physics major. What happened? Well, he told Mrs. Gore what had happened with meeting these uh, physics students from all these great schools and, and, and what have you, and said, Mrs. Gore, I can't compete with that. She looked at uh, Ron's grades and looked over his letters of recommendations and she told, looked back at Ron and said, Ron, I believe that you can graduate from this university with a degree in physics. Mm. Ron, I think you are better than good enough. I want you to go try physics. That was a moment of epiphany, of an encouragement, yeah. of inspiration mm -hmm. that Ron needed and, mm -hmm. and all of us need from time to time. Mm -hmm. Ron gained strength from that to, to find someone who believed in him mm -hmm. at a time when he could not believe in himself. Right. That's the HBCU experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the McNair Achievement Programs, and, and I also know you're writing a new book. So, yeah. so what, what's happening now well, as you look at the, you know, the legacy of, of, of Ron? Well, uh, this, is, this has been a good season. I'm glad, so grateful we had this conversation today because I'm still on cloud nine with uh, Biden and Harris. We're going to talk about and, that. Is the, yeah, and, yeah. I, and quite <laughs> frankly, I had that in mind because uh, the McNair Scholars, the, the, the real, the full name is the Ronald E. McNair Post-Baccalaureate Achievement Program. That's a federally funded program. McNair mm -hmm. Achievement Program is, LLC is what I do I, in, in, in doing inspirational talks, do a lot of talks for McNair Scholars to get them to know the story. Uh, it allows me to do books documentaries. I, I was at a documentary in February hmm. uh, that came out that called was called Black in Space. And I had a, a decent role in that and it allows me to do some other things. So, so, so I do things like that because I know my calling is to utilize the uh, Ron's story to inspire other individuals who may think that you have to have it all together, that you may right. have to come from the 
uh, an affluent family, or you may have to go to all the right schools. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we saw this weekend, yeah, they went to the right schools, but by folks on the other side of the tracks, if you will, Spelman ain't it, Howard ain't it, yeah. you know, yeah. okay, yeah. FAMU ain't it, right. mm -hmm. and A&T wasn't it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. So, so even how, as, as, as good as all those schools are, they are discounted by many. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I, I, I'm here as an advocate for HBCUs as much as I am to sharing my brother's story. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when we look at the mayor of Atlanta and Stacey Abrams and now uh, a new uh, vice president, of all yeah. products. Spelman, FAMU, Howard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so now the new book, you're working on another book, is that? I'm working on, a, on another book. And now I've, it's been, I've been working on this one for a while, but the, the book that I'm working on has to do with all the tremendous successes that has come out of the McNair Scholars Program. We have over 60,000 McNair Scholars wow. all across the country and parts of the world. I have a group I was just looking at Milan, you know, Italy and, and, and the Germany. These, these folks are all over the place. We have as first generation college, economically disadvantaged, mm -hmm. underrepresented groups, which means that last category can put, if you're in, it's not all STEM, by the way, people think that, but some, mm -hmm. most of them are not STEM, but some of them, but STEM will put you in that underrepresented category. Right. Why? Uh, you know, because we're underrepresented in every category in STEM, right? <laughs> so you can get in this program. You know, we have Black, White, Asian, Hispanic, Native American. It doesn't matter. It, it, it is a true, true, uh, I guess you might say, a depiction of the diversity of, of the country. And mm -hmm. this is the one of the few things that really represented it that way. These students will tell you, many of them will tell you, they will never ever, and, and, it's, and this program is the a program that provides support, like counseling. You have faculty advisors, you get a chance to present uh, your research that you do in your field across, you know, at different conferences and so forth. Wow. And it builds up their confidence, kind of like Ron, when someone that, that tells that tells them that someone believe in you, they see yeah, something in yeah, you. You're in this yeah. program. No, you don't see it yet, but we're gonna believe in you until you believe until in yourself. You yourself. Right. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's you know, wonderful. but the goal is is to get is to get them into academia so the people that they see in front of them or the next generation to them, they will see people who look like them mm -hmm. standing in front of the classroom. Uh, and so we have well over five thousand. PhDs, mm. JDs, mm. and MDs, and a few other Ds that I can't even pronounce. <laughs> and yeah. that's the legacy of Ron McNair is, is out there. And it, 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 it literally through those individuals, they're, in, they're influencing hundreds of thousands, yeah. millions for that yeah. matter. Yeah. Through that individual, yeah. it's like a seed being replicated. That's fantastic. That is, that's wonderful. And so now I want you to send me all your links, but um, what's the one place that, you know, website where people can go or to get more information? Well, uh, you can go to uh, my site. That's www.mcnairachievement.com. Okay. And okay. you have to check your dictionary. The achievement can be a lot of tricky. 
I, yeah. you know, I before E. I know, right? <laughs> uh, 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 is where you can get information on all of our 187 McNair scholars across the country, including Hawaii and Puerto Rico. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing network that we have out there. And the reason why I'm so elated, the pop, you know, I'll say this, the powers to be are always trying to take away educational opportunities that will help lift the least of these and people yeah. who need it. Yeah. And we didn't need, you know, we don't need to have any more uh, setbacks as we're dealing with right now with the pandemic and all this has put, you know, we were already next to the bottom. This has even put us even further. So we don't need you purposely, if I will, you know, putting your foot or your knee on our neck anymore. I mean, we're already down there. And so I'm glad that we're getting folks who seem, to, who, 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 who I believe is empathetic, who understand we're not looking for no handout. We're looking for an opportunity. Just crack the door. Yeah. It yeah. was an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. The Absolutely. same way it was for me, it was for you, yeah. for Ron, Ron, might have not uh, got the opportunity for MIT, but well, I remind you, we came up during that time when the furtive action was around. And I make no apologies to anybody that we did benefit from a affirmative action. But here's the deal. They don't give you nothing once you get the opportunity and the door is cracked. That's right. Affirmative you better get in there and you, giving, you better perform. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was giving you a folding chair at the table. And I say folding because if you didn't perform, they'd take the chair up and you'd be out of there. So it gave you access, right? <laughs> That's it right. It didn't, it didn't give you a free pass. Yeah, I mean, well, it had, you had to do 110% better. Absolutely. Right. It was, right. But anyway, um, so when is your, do you have an idea when the book is coming out? Well, we are working on it right now. Uh, what, what I found out I have to do, and I have not quite done this yet. And as I wrote my first book, I had to set a date. That's the end game. This is the date yeah, it's going to be yeah, released. Well. Okay. Yeah. And these are the things I'm going to do to get there. Yeah. So it, all I'll say it'll be soon. However, Avande would appreciate this. This a couple of things. But one, there's something as in graduate school, Avande, that you have to take called a qualifying exam. Mm -hmm. Some people call it a comprehensive exam. Right. And you got to you got to pass this thing. It comes yeah. in various parts. You got to pass this thing. Otherwise, you don't go on to get your PhD. That's it. So Ron took the comp the first time and he flunked it. Oh, no. He took it a second time and he flunked it again. Oh, goodness. Okay. But he took it a third time. Yeah. Flunked it again. Oh, I was going to say third time was a charm. No. You got to read the book to find out the rest of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but another thing, and so these are what you, to your point, Reggie, these are things that people don't know. But some, some people have to think this thing is so, this is a comprehensive exam. It's comprehensive. It's all the physics he had, had learned from the, in the, since the beginning of life, in his life. Right. Regurgitate that into a test. And if you don't pass that, that that's it. Your, your career is over. A lot of people, and I know some personally that was in Ron's class, after they flunked that, that was it. I'm done. Just give me a master's and I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. I'm out of here. The other thing that happened that uh, that happened while Ron was at MIT, you know, he was with his fiance. And at that time, Amande, they didn't have a thumb drive, a, you know, a, a you know, a, a disc, 
you know, discants, all these things to back up your data and stuff. Right. You ever heard of uh, punch cards? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I have. These things, these things, like, you drop one of those suckers, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're like little cards. And like, imagine now, it's about the size of a, a sheet of paper folded up in a third, something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you have to literally go there, key punch all your data into these cards to right. be fed into the computer, right? Right, right, right. Generate your data. But Ron had all of his punch cards in this duffel bag, okay? okay. All of his, all of his four years, four wow. years of experimentation. Mm. He had wow. in a duffel bag. And him, he was at the Charles River, which is right across the street from MIT. So mm -hmm. they wanted to go in and take in the beauty of of the of uh, uh, of the river, right? Yeah. So he, he left this duffel bag by this tree. They walked across the street to the uh, to the river, came back after a few minutes. They went back, and that duffel bag full of punch cards was gone. Dang. Stolen. What? Stolen. Oh. Four years of his graduate life at MIT, where they say getting an education is like taking a taking a drink from a fire hose it was gone <laughs> oh man oh my goodness. it came back and as his wife tells it she said uh she says ron what are we gonna do she said ron just thought for a moment he didn't panic he said let me just think for a minute his professor says this and this is on tape ron went back in the lab redid all the experiments collected all the data no way and he did it all in three months Wow, now, four years of work. Yeah, three months. Now, why? Why did he, was he able to do that? In part was because he already knew what didn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. you work on what what works, work. right? Right. <laughs> and he had a few scavenger of punch cards around here that had some some data on it, you know. Right. But the data was lost. Wow. I share that with the, with students and anybody who give me the time like you, and I, I'm grateful to hear that things sometimes happen you don't see yeah, happening. Yeah. It's disastrous yeah. sometimes. Yeah. But if you don't just totally lose your cool and focus on what it is that you can do. Right. Wow. You know. Um, well, Carl, we want to thank you so much for yeah. uh, for your stories and, and inspiration and, and everything that you're doing, really to continue the legacy, you know, of your of your brother and still touching so many lives. It's amazing. One young lady, this real quick story. She was a, she grew up in an Arkansas trailer park. She, uh, she had an affinity to science, but got into the University of Arkansas and she didn't know what she wanted to do, but she just, you know, she, she got into the McNair Scholars Program and she said, I just did whatever they told me to do. They said I could do this and I could do that. And I didn't necessarily believe it, but I just kept doing what they said to do. And I got a degree in biology. And next thing I knew, I got a medical degree. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a matter of fact, next thing right. I knew, I got a medical exactly. degree. Yeah. <laughs> but people kept telling her, you could do this. this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, Carl, I want to thank you, man. I know, you know, I know. Thank you guys. It's a Sunday afternoon and you got a lot going on. So yeah, I got another and I got another Zoom call in, a, in about oh 40 not less than 45 okay, minutes. We'll, so. yeah. <laughs> this has been a great interview. You guys did a great job. And y'all folks don't usually allow me to talk this much, so thank you for that. And no, I, well, I, hope I, I hope I listen enough to 
to engage you guys. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're good listeners. Yeah, we are, we're also very interested in, in the story yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah, just glad yeah. that you gave us this up close and personal. Because, like I said, we talk about documentaries and stuff we're watching and shows, yeah. and they have somebody so close and, and, and to bring, you know, uh, Ron McNair up to life um is is really special so we we thank you and then all that you do we want to thank carl again for joining us and sharing with us uh, on uh, this the 35th anniversary of the space shuttle challenger as we remember the heroic crew mm-hmm. um, and also that program i always wanted to go into space and i just thought that was yeah, so cool yeah. You've always thought yeah. space was so interesting. Yeah. So I just I live vicariously through sci-fi. I <laughs> getting on top of a rocket. Eh, yeah. You know, I don't. I but don't I, I mean, I learned a lot from the interview, and um, you know, you lived during this time, so I know you learned some things that you didn't know. Um, but it was you know very eye-opening to me because I didn't really know about all of this until yeah. you know you yeah, brought it, it up. Uh, thank you, Dangerfield Newbies, again for our music. We appreciate what you guys do, and we look forward to our next episode. We're going to be dropping uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, oh. I guess so. Well, I mean, we could probably drop before that. I don't know. I mean, this is the 28th of January, so. You know. Oh, that's facts. Yeah. Uh, so, well, I, mean, I mean, given given your work schedule and. I mean, we'll see what uh, happens. You know, my editing uh, time. Which we'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. But we're going to shoot for Valentine. We drop another one. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like we, or should we, I don't know if we should talk about something specific for Valentine's Day. Like if we're talking about love or relationships or. Yeah. I mean, love, we don't have to. Uh, uh, pandemic style. I don't know. I mean. What do you mean pandemic style? Oh, I guess what you can do. I don't know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. that's going to be your show because you suggested it. I mean, I suggested what? That we do a uh, Valentine's Day. We don't necessarily have to. I I think it's a good idea. Listen, this is the first Valentine's Day in years that I've been single. So you got got two more weeks. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Plus, mother's out here asking me when I'm going to start dating again. So that's. Which which is, you know, interesting if (laughs) if she starts asking. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what she's you know, what's going on in her right, head right now. But if it was up to her. She didn't want you with nobody. Right. This nobody's is a, good enough for my boy. You know. I it's just yeah. I don't know. That's so weird. now she's asking. I'm yeah. Like, that's well, weird. Where'd that come very from? Very weird. <laughs> very weird. I was very taken aback by that question. I said, "What? Who are you even talking to right now?" But you know, hey, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll figure out what we'll, what we'll do. But yeah. we'll, we'll we'll drop. We'll but that's going to be that's going to be you're going to outline that show. That's yours. So uh, so stay tuned. Continue to follow us on social media, and we just thank you for supporting us. Yeah, you know, keep listening. You know, what I'm saying we're, we're going to yeah. keep 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 this up and sharing sharing with you know people yeah. that you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, this podcast thing ain't easy. You know what I'm saying? So support some brothers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. And I'm Reggie the Boomer. I'm Armani the Millennium. We're We're out. Peace. When you say peace, but point up at the sky with one finger. Uh, You went peace. Because God's number one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You got a problem with that? (laughs) All right. No, I won't hold up two fingers and point up because, you know, that's weird. So peace out. All right. Two fingers. There you go. (laughs) 